Welcome to the European Heart Journal Case Pro Podcast 2020. I'm Dr. Ashwin Barbie, Podcast Editor. Today, I'll be talking about a case report by Shohei Moriyama, Mitsuhiro Fukata, Ryomo Tatsumoto, and Mihoko Konon from the Kyushu University Hospital in Fukuoka, Japan, titled Refractory Constricted Pericarditis Caused by an Immune Checkpoint Inhibitor Properly Managed with Infliximab. A Case Report. Introduction. Cardiac immune-related adverse events are a rare but fatal complication associated with the use of immune checkpoint inhibitors. The clinical presentation can vary from asymptomatic troponin rise to fulminant heart failure. Myocardial and pericardial disease are the most common cardiac immune-related adverse events. A staggering 50% of patients with myocarditis and 21% of patients with pericarditis succumb to this devastating complication, although Cardiac immune-related adverse events are diagnosed one to two months after the initiation of immune checkpoint inhibitors. The authors in this case report present a case of late-onset steroid refractory constricted pericarditis secondary to nivolumab. Summary of case report. A 58-year-old gentleman with no previous medical history was diagnosed with stage 4 non-small cell lung cancer and was commenced on chemotherapy. The patient had a normal cardiovascular examination and ECG prior to starting anti-cancer therapies. The lung cancer was unresponsive to four different lines of chemotherapy and the patient was subsequently started on nivolumab, a programmed DEATH1 inhibitor, also known as PD-1 inhibitor. 18 months and after 35 cycles of nivolumab, the patient developed lower limb edema, increasing body weight and fatigue. Cardiovascular examination revealed a raised JVP and pitting edema in the lower limb. ECG performed at the time showed normal sinus rhythm. An echocardiogram was carried out which revealed normal biventricular systolic and diastolic function. However, there was a 9mm pericardial effusion noted around the anterior right ventricle. Blood tests showed normal inflammatory markers and blood cultures were also negative. A CT scan was performed, which confirmed the pericardial effusion and revealed pericardial thickening. It also showed a good response of the lung cancer to nivolumab. A liver biopsy was performed for abnormal liver function tests, which revealed T-cell lymphocytic infiltration and as a diagnosis of hepatitis as part of an immune-related adverse event was diagnosed. Given these findings, and no evidence for a malignant or infective cause of pericarditis, a diagnosis of immune-related adverse event pericarditis was established. Nivolumab was suspended and the patient was started on high-dose prednisolone and furizomide 10 mg once a day. This rapidly improved the symptoms of right heart failure and significantly reduced the size of the pericardial effusion. However, on tapering of the steroid dose, these symptoms re-emerged. Thus, the steroid dose was increased and a slow and careful tapering regimen was undertaken. Soon after the cessation of prednisolone, the patient's body weight started to increase, and physical examination revealed a positive Kussmaul sign. A repeat CT scan revealed a trivial pericardial effusion and a significantly large pearl effusion. An echocardiogram demonstrated signs consistent with constricted pericarditis. This included a significant respiratory variation across the mitral inflow, ventricular interdependence, and an elevated septal E-prime on tissue Doppler. There was also evidence of pericardial adhesion. Subsequently, a right heart catheterization was performed, which revealed a dip and plateau pattern of the pressure waveform in both ventricles, as well as a W-shaped right atrial pressure waveform. It also demonstrated a low end diastolic pressure difference between the left and right ventricle and a high systolic area index, all of which suggested ventricular interdependence. A cardiac MRI revealed pericardial thickening with no myocardial edema or late gadolinium enhancement present. Troponin was also elevated, but an endomyocardial biopsy ruled out the possibility of active myocarditis. Consequently, the patient was treated for constricted pericarditis with myopericarditis. Initially, the furosemide was up-titrated to 40mg once a day 
and tolvaptan 50mg once a day was added. The patient failed to improve and pulsed methylpernicillin followed by high-dose penicillin was started. This was successful in improving his symptoms. Once again, the tapering of penicillin exacerbated the patient's symptoms. Given the recurrent steroid refractory symptoms of right heart failure, the patient was started on infliximab. This was given at week 0, 2 and 6 and every 8 weeks thereafter for 11 months. Symptomatically, the patient improved and lost 7 kilograms in weight. The infliximab allowed for the tapering of steroids without the re-emergence of symptoms. Although echocardiographic findings of constrictive pericarditis were still present, the patient was asymptomatic and this pericardiectomy was not performed. Discussion Immune-related adverse event pericarditis is the second most common cardiac complication associated with immune checkpoint inhibitors. It is often most commonly seen in patients being treated for lung cancer, as reported in this case. Data has also shown that patients being treated with a PD-1 inhibitor, such as in this case, are at a higher risk of developing pericardial disease. The pathophysiology of this phenomenon is unclear, but in general, the T-cell activation by immune checkpoint inhibitors leads to an autoimmune reaction leading to complications such as pneumonitis, myocarditis, pericarditis, hepatitis, and colitis. The manifestations of immune-related adverse event pericarditis include cardiac tamponade, perimyocarditis, and pericardial effusions. Whilst these occur usually within a median 30-day period after the initiation of immune checkpoint inhibitors, this case highlights an atypical and insidious onset of pericarditis. Further, diagnosis can be difficult given the lack of guidelines or consensus documents in this area. However, the traditional cardiac investigations are invaluable in aiding the diagnosis. An elevated troponin level suggests myocardial involvement and thus a diagnosis of perimyocarditis. An ECG may reveal low QRS voltages, saddle-shaped ST elevation, or PR depression. Echocardiography may demonstrate pericardial thickening, effusion, or physiology consistent with constriction, as demonstrated in this case report. Further, a cardiac MRI may be useful in identifying pericardial inflammation, further characterizing the pericardial effusion, and assessing for myocardial inflammation as part of a myopericarditis process. Of note, immune-related adverse event pericarditis is a diagnosis of exclusion, and hence it is important to rule out other etiologies such as malignancy, infection, or autoimmune. This was systematically excluded in this case, and the Naranjo scale, which helps assess if the causality of the untoward clinical event is due to the medication, gave a score of 6 points, suggesting a high probability that the pericarditis was secondary to nivolumab. There are four grades of cardiac immune-related adverse events, as defined by the Society for Immunotherapy of Cancer. Grade 1 involves close monitoring due to an asymptomatic abnormal ECG or biomarkers. Grade 2 is defined as an abnormal cardiac investigation with mild symptoms, which involves pausing the immune checkpoint inhibitors and stabilizing the coexisting cardiac conditions or risk factors. The patient presented fits in the grade 3 criteria, which is defined as moderately abnormal investigations with more than mild symptoms. The recommendation for these patients is stopping the immune checkpoint inhibitors and starting high-dose penicillin. Grade 4 refers to the severe cardiac decompensation with life-threatening complications, and these patients require intensive monitoring and the initiation of intravenous therapies with consideration of invasive interventions. If the symptoms remain unresponsive to oral penicillin or the patient becomes hemodynamically unstable, intravenous methylpernicillin should be started. If the patient does not improve on methylpernicillin, or the symptoms re-emerge on a steroid taper, then biological agents such as infliximab need to be considered, as shown in this case report. Infliximab is a monoclonal antibody 
that inhibits the pro-inflammatory cytokine, pseudomonocrosis factor alpha, and is usually indicated in the treatment of inflammatory rheumatological conditions, ankylitis. It should be used in caution in patients with moderate to severe heart failure. Nevertheless, infliximab has shown good efficacy in steroid refractory immune-related adverse event myocarditis, and this case report is the first to highlight its efficacy in steroid refractory constrictive pericarditis in improving symptoms and allowing successful steroid tapering. Conclusion Constrictive pericarditis secondary to immune checkpoint inhibitors can have devastating sequelae and is associated with a high mortality rate. Thus, early recognition and treatment of these patients is essential to allow prompt recontinuation of their cancer treatment. This case report highlights the promising therapeutic option of infliximab in treating steroid refractory pericarditis secondary to nivolumab. The authors wanted to highlight the following learning points. 1. Immune-related adverse event pericarditis can develop long after the initiation of immune checkpoint inhibitors and progress to constrictive pericarditis. 2. Early initiation of immune-suppressive therapy for immune-related adverse events should be considered when it is refractory to corticosteroids. Thank you to the authors of this case report for highlighting this interesting case for us. And thank you for listening to European Heart Journal Case Reports podcast. References and the original case reports are available online. Visit academic.oup.com forward slash EHACR for other interesting case reports. Music is computer by Stage Shirts.